This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, Kingdom, and welcome to uh, another edition of Defending the Kingdom. And here we are in training camp mode. Mitch Holtz with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with our guy, the man we know as the shop in the kingdom, the barber, the barber shop, the Spider-Man, uh, National Football League tenure veteran and a proud member of our ambassadors and uh, Sean Barber. And Sean, first of all, just a overall thought here as we have rookies and quarterbacks as we speak in this podcast uh, that are getting tested. Mm-hmm. And the testing is very intricate and multiple being done a lot, but I'm super proud of our franchise so far with this. There's something called the IDER rating, right? The um, infectious disease emergency response. And we were one of three teams to get passed by the NFLPA right out of the gate. So that's like Rick Burkholder and Mitch Reynolds and all the people that deserve attention. But another reason why this franchise is getting A grades in the National Football League. Well, I think it's a testimony to not only Andy Reid, um, but also Veach, um, top down from the Hunt family. Everybody understands it's the process. The process has always been a family first mentality, a family first atmosphere. Um, rarely do you find the Chiefs doing anything based off of bottom line, uh, whether it makes money, doesn't make money. It's not really um, you don't you don't find those type of decisions that high up the priority list. How to take care of your family, um, how to do things with respect. Um, and then how to do things with, with, with a lot of character and, and, and care for the community as, as a whole. And I think if you do those things throughout your process, no matter what the decision is, uh, whether it's talking about COVID or who to sign, who not to sign, whether it's uh, coaches wanting to leave and go, players trying to uh, demand for trades, being on social media, the things you see around the league that happens to other teams. Sometimes you feel like in Kansas City, we're in a bubble. We feel like we're protected from a lot of the things the other teams have to deal with. And I think it's because Coach Andy Reid has such a clear vision of where this team needs to go on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. Yeah, his four postulates, there's two that come to mind with this, Andy Reid's postulates. One is fear nothing and attack everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they've done this with this uh, COVID protocol in the league. You and I would normally be in St. Joe by now. The rookies and quarterbacks and injured guys, rehab guys would be on the field but they're not going to be, and they're not right now. And I mean, they might be later in the week at the stadium, but right now it's the testing and going through all of the, again, the very intricate procedures that have to be done in this league uh, by every team, um, and quite honestly, by all the major league teams. But I'm just proud of the Chiefs of the way they're on it. They're taking the lead on this and, uh, and doing what Andy says, and that's attack everything. Well, speaking of attacking everything, we're going to jump into the – We've been breaking down the defense basically by position over the past month to six weeks. And we talked about specialists with Harrison Butker. This has been a, you know several weeks ago. You can look at it. It's archived on our Defending the Kingdom uh, archives. But I want to focus on the return game here and something that – and the recoverage game uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs and something that during training camp gets a lot of attention mm-hmm. in some definition – but when you look at the last seven years under the Andy Reid slash Dave Tobe special teams direction, the Chiefs are at or near the top in almost every special teams category. 
And the return game has been explosive. If you look, there's been 11 or 12 returns for touchdowns in the regular season. We know about the return in the playoffs uh, for a touchdown by Niall Davis in 15. None allowed. None. The last time the Chiefs gave up a punt return for a touchdown was 2012. A kickoff return for a touchdown, 2010. The Chiefs just get an A grade here again, Shop, with the way, let's start, first of all, the way they return kicks. Well, the way they return kicks is something that you want to take advantage of all the opportunities that the league makes available. Because the rules have changed, they try to uh, they try to deter you away from actually returning. They want to give you the ball at the 25-yard line. They want to encourage people fair catch it or create touchbacks. But the philosophy of our the amount of speed we have on the field and the way we can go from goal line to goal line, go we can we can we can we can stretch you in a vertical plane and score touchdowns without even having uh, one of the most feared weapons even touch the field with Pat Mahomes. With McCoa Hartman, uh, Cheetah, and the returnability of those two guys on the field at any point in the game, whether it's the kickoff return or punt return the game, makes those possessions and that one play one of the most exciting plays in all of NFL. You have to pay attention to it during the camp. The Chiefs now have a month here to get ready, basically a little over that for the regular season. But even guys like Pringle can return. Yes, D-Rod can return to Marcus Robinson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Interesting what he could possibly do to maybe rotate into the return game. But when you look, I mean, there have been, I looked it up, in seven years there have been six different guys return kicks for touchdowns on this team. Um, and let's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about two specific uh, plays in the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Because in week 17, the Chiefs were fighting to get that bye. They needed help, right? Miami had to beat New England for the Chiefs to get the two slot and get a bye in the playoffs. The Chargers were playing the Chiefs off their feet that day. But when McCall Hardman had a 104-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, that whole game changed. Let's talk about that instance in your 10 years in the league and how a single play like that can dictate an entire 60-minute game. Man, it's always so crucial when you talk about the mindset of a player defensively, when, when, you, when you go out and approach the field, you always want to be approaching the field where you feel like you have 80 yards of defense to defend. Anything other than that, as a player, I kind of felt like I was playing on my heels a little bit. The closer we got to the 50, the closer we got to the green zone where we know the offense were now going to be trying to make strikes, uh, strike for the end zone. That makes you, from a defensive call standpoint and from an aggressive standpoint, um, kind of be on your heels. But when you're going out to defend 80 yards and you, or sometimes even uh, 90 yards when we had Dustin putting the ball inside the 10-yard line at times, it opens up so many things for you to be creative and your, your, your bravado, your, your ego, everything blows up and becomes even a greater um, value to the defensive player. So when you talk about turnovers, uh, quick scores off of returns, um, you know, one of the things I thought about when you was mentioning Nicole Hartman was uh, even years before that, against the Houston Texans. We was trying to get the first playoff win in however many years in, in, in Chiefs history. We go down to Houston for that playoff, and the opening kickoff goes the other way. You're talking about a momentum swing, taking all the air out of a stadium. Take, I mean, the, the game was over on the first snap of the game. And that's the way, that's the importance, the impact one special team's play can have on the entire ball game. God bless Niall Davis. 22 years without a playoff win. Niall Davis, 106-yard return. I'm glad you brought it up. But that segues in then to the next big play. 
the Chiefs and everybody talks about the great rally against the the Texans in the playoffs mm-hmm. this year, down 24 to nothing. And I, now the stories of the sideline and some trepidation in our booth that day. And I said it on the air. People can go back and look at it. I said, it just is going to take one play to light the fuse. Yes, right. And Hardman had a 58-yard kickoff return after the Texan field goal. Mm-hmm. So before defensive stops and before fake punt sniff outs and before a 28-point barrage, there had to be a single play to start it. It was that kickoff return by McCole Hardman. As you look back at that play at that time, at, at that instant, what did that kickoff return, what will you remember about it? I, I think that, like you said, the, the defense kind of felt like we had stopped them and then one miscommunication leads to a quick score. And then, um, you know, had that play unfold, it was it, we, we were down 24 points before we even knew what – we had a feel of what they were even doing on offense. I think the defense was still very confident in their ability to get to stop Deshaun Watson to stop the Texans, but we did need something from a momentum boost. We need something to do, let everybody loosen up and realize, hey man, we're at Arrowhead Stadium. Like, 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 like the the atmosphere here needs to change. The momentum needs to change. The 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 crowd needs to come alive. And a play like that, when when, when somebody a quick score like that, Nicole Hartman taking the bull by the horns. Um, and, and, and saying right here, right now, this is where the game starts. This is where we're going to fight. This is where we're going to turn the tide. That type of play is definitely what was needed at that point in the game to really swing that momentum uh, back to the Chiefs' favor. And again, 12 touchdowns for the Chiefs, either punt or kickoff returns, six different guys in seven years. The Chiefs have allowed none. That is just one of the more stunning stats when you look at the Andy Reid era. But it also goes now to the next portion of this Defending the Kingdom podcast, and that is the coverage units. It's something that we see the Chiefs work on ad nauseum during training camp especially. You played this game. uh, You were fighting for a spot in this league. Let's talk about coverage units, both punt and kickoff coverage, and what it has meant to the Chiefs for seven years and in building a team to get to the AFC Championship game in 18 and a Super Bowl championship in 19. When you talk about coverage units – the diversity and the depth of your linebackers and your safeties. Those two positions, those two position groups play such a big part in your coverage ability because those are the guys that can block angle make tackles. Those are the guys that have good enough hands to to be able to make a play, run a special teams play, but also understand how to go cover the field, coverage lanes, and then how to converge on a ball carrier um, and then make a tackle. So when you talk about your linebackers and safeties, and we've already explained weeks ago how deep those positions are here at Kansas City, those battles, those fights, um, who's going to be the fourth, fifth, sixth linebacker? Who's going to be the third, fourth, maybe fifth, fifth safety? Your ability to expose other teams' weaknesses on their coverage units and to be able to go make plays, be a sure tackler in those coverage units, that's going to have Coach Tobe, when it comes to those personnel meetings, standing on the table, beating on the desk, saying he needs you to be part of this Kansas City team in 2020. As long as the Lord gives me days on this earth, I will talk about the two kickoff team coverage plays in Super Bowl 54 Mm -hmm. because those were going to be the lost plays of that barrage of 21 fourth-quarter points after the wasp, right? Um, And the play that Neiman made in tackling the returner we talked about this in the Harrison Butker episode a couple weeks ago on Defending the Kingdom. And then for Pringle to do it again 
it just put more shoveled more dirt on the 49ers. We see returns for touchdowns. We just talked about how those are momentum plays. Well, how about coverage plays? When you get an impact coverage play, what it can do to change the demeanor of a, or a tempo of a game. Like I said before, any any any, any tackle inside the 25, you got to feel defensively. Uh, Coach Bagnola's play call just doubled. He he just felt like now I can really dial up some things. I can dial up some things that really uh, want to really keep this team to a three and out. I feel like the momentum's coming. Um, the blitz game can kind of pick back up because you have so much. You have you have more yardage to work with. And if you can keep a team from getting that first set of first downs and make them punt it away, with the offense is explosive, is ours. And we get the ball back anywhere close to midfield, the 40 yard line beyond, you, you can almost guarantee that's going to be a score for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that type of mentality, uh, teams got to do everything in their power not to allow their ball carry, their return, um, their returners um, to, to, to get down inside the uh, 25 or 20 yard line. And to your point about the safeties and linebackers, I went back and looked at seven years of data. Last year, Armani Watts, safety, led the team in special teams tackles. I thought he came on like gangbusters later in the season with 10 tackles. But right behind him, linebacker, Dorian O'Daniel with eight. Right behind him, Sherman uh, with eight, the sausage. And then Byron Pringle, wide receiver, with seven. But Sherman and Dan Sorensen, Tied for the lead in 16 in special teams, and Sherman led in 14 and 13 with 13 and 12 tackles, respectively. I know I'm spewing out numbers there, but you still have Sherman and Sorensen on this team that are impact special teams guys, and then you bring in the athleticism of uh, linebackers and safeties that you alluded to, and even Pringle, wide receiver, who I saw a little bit of Matthew Slater in him. Uh, as the end of the season, and Slater is the stud for the Patriots that has made a living on being a four-core special teams guy. Yeah. Uh, pro bowler. But I want to ask you, because of that, when I look at that, how much of special teams, and you played them as a player in the league, is athleticism, just raw athleticism, because you're playing in space, as you alluded to, but two, how much of it is study and intelligence and instinct and learning how to play special teams? Well, the one thing you have to start with, the coach has to give the special teams coach the ability and the time to really um, treat that unit like it's a third of the, right? You got your offense, you got your defense. The special teams coach and that, that team, they deserve a third of the practice time also. And so some teams I remember going to where, where the special teams practice, only select players had to come. Um, special teams practice was either the first 15 minutes of practice or just the final. All throughout practice, Coach, he constantly goes back and forth to the special teams. A field goal here, work on field goal block here, punt return in the middle of practice, uh, um, kickoff return in the middle of practice, finishing up with some full live reps of special teams. He makes sure to give Coach Tobe and the special teams unit just as much time as the offense and defense have to work on their things because he understands a lot of ball games, most 99% of ball games start with the special teams play and a lot, a lot of them end with a special teams play. And that's how most games are won and lost on the foot of a kicker or a return specialist or a big play that sets up an easy uh, uh, score at the end of a game. You can always count one or two very, very crucial snaps in a ball game where the special teams either led to a drive or were responsible for a big, uh, big play being stopped. But special teams is such a key part that Andy Reid has always uh, uh, accounted for those minutes, giving the special teams coach as much time as he needed to make sure that our team is never at a loss, never at a uh, 
uh, never at the deficit when it comes to about the information the special teams players would need to know, the formations, what the other team does. It's never taken for granted when you talk about an Andy Reid coach team. I love it when you spew wisdom. I love it. I love it when you get the Spider-Man costume on and you just start climbing walls because it's awesome. Because now people go, yeah, I didn't think about that. The game always starts with a special teams play and usually ends with a special teams play in most instances in the National Football League. But something you brought up that I think needs to be uh, dive in, dove into a little bit further is this relationship between Andy Reid and Dave Tobe. Yeah. You know, there were so many moments that we've seen now after the Super Bowl that were heartwarming. It was years and years and years of, of whether, you know, the hugs, uh, Barry Rubin hugging Andy Reid or uh, Rick Burkhold, or the, those guys have been together for years. But Dave Tobe and Andy Reid were together since UTEP yeah. in the late 80s. They were on, on Bob Stoll's staff at Texas El Paso. And after, I mean, there was a time when they were apart where Tobe was in Chicago and Andy was in Philadelphia. But then they came back together here. And all these stats I've got for seven years as a result of that coming together. Andy Reid respects special teams as much as maybe any head coach that I've seen in the pro level. I saw it from Bill Snyder at the college level. Mm -hmm. Think about K-State and Virginia Tech and how they won games and won leagues because of special teams dominance. But I see that same respect from Andy Reid to Dave Tobe. Tobe even keeps his own personnel chart as far as like like uh, Veach and his staff would have. He's got it on his whiteboard where he's rating players during the draft. But not only that, he continuously uh, is looking at a player to evaluate them when he's not in a special team session. He might walk over to the O-line or walk over to the D. Tobe is always looking at it because he has this superb uh, keen eye for talent. And Andy Reid listens to him. That relationship, and you, you kind of touched on it here, what is the power in that relationship and what it means to winning for the Chiefs? I think it starts, and you can, you, can, you can pretty summarize it, just the respect. The amount of respect Coach Andy has for Coach Tobe and then Coach Tobe has for Andy um, is something that he expects the players to give Coach Tobe that same respect. When you come to the Kansas City Chiefs and you're the first or second running back, or uh, you're the first uh, a Sam linebacker, a first team Will linebacker. If you think at any moment that alleviates you to having any special teams responsibility, you're fooling yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. I go back to the days. We got a shirt right here to show you. Oh, that yeah. right there. All right, oh, in yeah. 06, when oh, I was yeah. with the Eagles, um, I go into that organization. I'm a starting Will linebacker. But when, I, when that shirt says, I survived training camp, the survival point wasn't learning the defense. It was being able to survive the special teams practice. We went hard, full speed, full field coverage, every kickoff, every return, uh, a multiple punt, protect spread covers. You talk about getting your conditioning in, the way most NFL players get their conditioning in is during the special teams phase. It's not during the offense. It's not during the defensive emphasis phase. It's that the, the accountability and the amount of effort and attitude you put towards your special teams unit it, it, it is it is it infiltrates throughout the team because you want everybody to know that those guys on special teams are a tip of the spear. And if you're trying to kill any beast, that tip of the spear has to be sharp. And those guys have to know what they're doing and they got to be able to perform at a high level on a moment's notice. You got to be ready on third down to go down there on fourth down, cover the field, get a tackle, get them inside the 20 so the defense can come out excited, ready to play. If they get a big return, then your defense goes, the, 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 the mentality and the momentum, it shifts. And now you've given up, do that one play, that one big return. 
Now you've given up an almost guaranteed three points and maybe a seven points. So the special teams before every defensive snap, that special team, the defense looks at that special team to go out there and ring the bell, go out there and lead the charge. And that's what special, the great special teams units accept that as their responsibility, and that's part of their character and their nature. And I know that Coach Tobes is demanding that from the special teams. Yeah, did you have John Harbaugh? Who was your special team? That's teams? right. John what Harbaugh. John Harbaugh doing this. <laughs> oh, man, he was a man of many uh, 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 of the utmost uh, how I can say it, he elegantly put it in ways that he demanded your respect, but hard work and, and, and running and commitment and, and knowing what you're supposed to do. Uh, he, 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 our special teams took a secondary seat to nobody in the building. Our, our special teams meeting was not a secondary meeting. It wasn't a, 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 a one-off meeting just to, for some guys to show up. The entire team needs to be in the special teams meeting. Because if you was a starting lineman, you might have been a second team uh, field goal protection guy. If you was a starting middle linebacker, you might have been the third uh, pump, pump return uh, PPR guy, right? Pump yep. return specialist guy. And so he didn't have time to re-coach things because you felt like you were above or beyond uh, the call of duty when it came to special teams. And then if you didn't respect the way we went about special teams, what does that say about your character and what you think about what, what team really matters? And so everybody got involved in that special teams unit meeting, and we went at it. And we talk about surviving a training camp, 80% of that, 90% of that has to do with surviving special teams practice. That's yeah, fascinating. And, and over the next month to six weeks, because you talked about the conditioning aspect of special teams, you know the Chiefs are going to emphasize that a lot. That's what they do. It's why they've been the best in the league for seven years as an aggregate. But that's going to be something in this COVID uh, time of training camp, this unusual state that we're in, just to to monitor that and to see how a team can grow in just conditioning and injury prevention That's in right. working with special teams. Fascinating. We're going to close it this way on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. And it has to deal, we talked about the, the return game, spectacular. The Chiefs have 12 returns for touchdowns in seven years. They've allowed none. That's just an amazing stat. To the coverage units. Uh, the role of linebackers and, and safeties, and DBs, corners, maybe a wide receiver. But this punter deal, uh, I get asked a lot publicly about it because you got a 15-year guy that's not there anymore in Dustin Colquitt. So you got Tommy Townsend, who is the rookie, and then Tyler Newsom, who was with the Chargers a little bit. And not just punting, because you talk about uh, Colquitt's ability to flip a field and to pin a team back, but the holding. The, hunt, the punter is usually the holder. And as competitive as these games are, you just said it a while ago with so much wisdom. They start with a special teams play. They end with a special teams play. Well, think about a muff snap by Tony Romo against Seattle in the playoffs. A hold mm -hmm. can be easily taken for granted. And right now, Harrison Butker and James Winchester will have a new punter slash holder uh, battling for this job. Yeah, going back to my one of my first years in the league, uh, 1998, 1999, um, the Washington Redskins. I was a, a guy on that on that squad, and we we lost a, a playoff game um, to Tampa Bay because we lined up for a field goal, and the exchange between the the the, the long snapper and the holder, it, it just wasn't good. And the punt never, the, the field goal never got attempted. That was a field goal that was going to win that game, lead us into the playoffs, the next round of the playoffs. And as a team, we, we, we have to go home and recoup. That team was broken apart, never to be seen again. So much promise in that team, but because of one special team's 
phase, the hold, didn't get put down, we never know how great that team could have been because it was blown up after that season. And so now we talk about the beginning of a dynasty and how the Chiefs organization is now going to move forward in a, in a, in a, in a, in a legacy dynasty type mentality. Uh, when we talk about that phase of the, the, the punter, the, the holder, those are things that are going to have to come together very quick. A lot of time is going to have to be spent on the sideline um, before and after practice, getting certain routines and rhythms down, uh, being able to um, um, change it up so nobody can get on your rhythm and know, anticipate when the snap is coming. Um, and then the trust, the trust between the kicker and the holder, the trust between the long snapper and the punter. Those, those things are built through time. Those things are usually built through adversity. And we had a guy here that had faced a lot of adversity over 15 seasons, and he's always, always uh, stepped up uh, when the bell rung to answer the call the next round. Now we got some guys we're going to have to see. We're going to see what they're made of because I guarantee you there's going to be times throughout the season that the punting game via the punter and the field goal via the snapper and the, and the holder, all of those things are going to lead to um, a potential victory when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, we know we're in unusual times. We've just started an unusual training camp, but there are some things that are usual, and that is the Chiefs are usually at the top or near the top in every special teams category. It'd be something to watch very closely over the next several weeks. Sean Barber, Barbershop, Spider-Man Shop. Barber, thank you so very much on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. That's it. Kansas City 24, World 3. That is your final score on this <laughs> The Kingdom. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. It's time to run it back. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins in Arrowhead.